Chapter One of The Later Life by Louis Couperus. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Van der Velke awoke that morning from a long, sound sleep and stretched himself luxuriously in the warmth of the sheets. But suddenly he remembered what he had been dreaming, and as he did so, he gazed into the wardrobe glass, in which he could just see himself from his pillow. A smile began to flicker about his curly moustache. His blue eyes lit up with merriment. The sheets, which still covered his body, he had flung his arms above his head, rose and fell with the ripple of his silent chuckles, and, suddenly, irrepressibly, he burst into a loud guffaw. Addy! he shouted, roaring with laughter. Addy! Are you up? Addy! Come here for a minute! The door between the two rooms opened. Addy entered. Addy! Just imagine! Just imagine what I've been dreaming! It was at the seaside, or Stender, or Scheveningen, or somewhere, and everybody, everybody was going about half-naked, their legs bare, and the rest beautifully dressed. The men had coloured shirts and light jackets and exquisite ties and straw hats, gloves and a stick in their hands. The rest, the rest was stark naked. The ladies wore lovely blouses, magnificent hats, parasols, and that was all. And there was nothing in it, Addy. Really, there was nothing in it. It was all quite natural, quite proper, quite fashionable. And they walked about like that, and sat on chairs and listened to the music. And the fisherman, the fisherman, Addy, went about like that too. And the musicians in the bandstand were half naked too. And the tails of their dress coats hung down, well, like that. Van der Velke, as he told his dream in broken sentences, lay shaking with laughter, his whole bed shook, the sheets rose and fell, he was red in the face, as if on the verge of choking. He wept as though consumed with grief. He gasped for breath, threw the bedclothes off. Just imagine it! Just imagine it! You never, you never saw such a stretch of sands as that! Addy had begun by listening with his usual serious face, but when he saw his father crying and gasping for breath, rolled about in the bed, and when the vision of those sands became clearer to his imagination, he also was seized with irresistible laughter. But he had one peculiarity, that he could not laugh outright. But, shaken with internal merriment, would laugh in his stomach without uttering a sound. And he now sat on the edge of his father's bed, rocking with silent laughter as the bed rocked under him. He tried not to look at his father, for, when he saw his father's face, distorted and purple with his paroxysms of laughter, lying on the white pillow like the mask of some fawn, he had to make agonised clutches at his stomach, and bent double to try to laugh outright. And he couldn't, he couldn't. Doesn't it, doesn't it strike you as funny? asked van der Velke, hearing no sound of laughter from his son. And he looked at Addy, and suddenly remembering that Addy could never roar with laughter out loud, he became still merrier at the sight of his poor boy's silent throes, his noiseless stomach laugh, 
until his own laughter rang through the room, echoing back from the walls, filling the whole room with loud Homeric mirth. "'Oh, father, stop!' said Addy at last, a little relieved by his internal paroxysms, the tears streaming in wet streaks down his face. And he heaved a sigh of despair that he could not laugh like his father. "'Give me a pencil and paper,' said van der Velke, "'and I'll draw you my dream.' But Addy was very severe and shocked. "'No, father, that won't do. That'll never do. It'll be a vulgar drawing.' and his son's chaste seriousness worked to such an extent upon van der Velke's easily tickled nerves that he began roaring once more at Addy's indignation. Troucher was prowling about the passage, knocking at all the doors, not knowing where Addy was. "'Are you up, Master Addy?' "'Yes,' cried Addy. "'Wait a minute.' He went to the door. "'What is it?' "'A telegram from a mistress, I expect. "'Here.' He took the telegram, shut the door again. "'From Mamma?' asked van der Velke. "'Sure to be. Yes, from Paris. J'arrive ce soir.' Van der Velke grew serious. "'And high time, too. What business had Mamma to go rushing abroad like that? One'd think we were well off. What did you do about those bills, Addy?' "'I went to the shops and said that Mafrau was out of town and that they'd have to wait.' "'I see. That's all right.' Can you meet Mamma at the station? Yes, the train's due at six. Then we'll have dinner afterwards with Mamma. I don't know. I think I'd better dine at the club. Come, father, don't be silly. No, said van der Velke crossly. Don't bother me. I'll stay on at the Vitter. But don't you see that means starting off with a manifestation? Whereas, if you wait in for Mamma peacefully and we all have dinner together, then things'll come right of themselves. That'll be much easier than if you go staying out at once. Mamma would only think it's rude. Rude? Rude? Well, there's nothing to flare up about. And you just come home to dinner. Then you'll be on the right side. I'll think it over. If I don't look out, you'll be bossing me altogether. Well then, don't mind me. Stay at the Vitter. Oh-ho! So you're offended, young man. Oh no, I'd rather you came home, of course. "'But if you prefer to dine at the Vitter, do.' "'Dearly beloved son,' said van der Velke, "'throwing out his hands with a comical gesture of resignation, "'your father will obey your sapient wishes.' "'Fond father, I thank you, but I must be off to school now. "'Good-bye, then, and you'd better forget those sands.' "'They both exploded, and Addy hurried away and vanished, "'shaking with his painful stomach laugh.' while he heard van der Velke break into a fresh guffaw. He can laugh, thought the boy. End of chapter 1